Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk650andkste.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, good morning. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension, Lifetime Master Gardener, Garden Columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page, Twitter.com slash FarmerFred. I think it's mostly snark than garden advice, but that's okay. Um... And, of course, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, where there is always a garden dialogue going on. Steve Zion is here because Packers season begins later tonight. If the, the Packers were on at 10 a.m., he would not be here. The football season, the NFL football season, does not start until about 5, 10. There's, there's, there's things going on now, but they're... It doesn't. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, we, we can expect uh, very few appearances by Mr. Zion between now and the Super Bowl. Yeah, what, and I probably won't be here. Oh, no, Super Bowl is usually in the afternoon because the Packers are expected to, to win the Super Bowl this year. Not by me. There's lots of pundits. So you don't think they will? No, I think they will. Okay, well, make up your As mind. long as nobody gets hurt. That's, yeah. I mean, that's that's a given. That was our problem last year. We had... You know, one of our less least significant players, guy from, graduated from Cal. Did he grow up in Chico? Yeah, yeah. Went to went to Butte College. Yeah, and, and when like, he's always, when, it's it's very cool when he's introduced. He's they always, you know, they players usually say where they where yeah. they went to college. He almost always says Butte College. Butte College, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron Rodgers. All yes. Right. Uh, but it's a garden show, so we will be talking gardening. Terry, thanks for uh, dropping in and running the board today. I appreciate it. He'll be uh, jotting down names and numbers for the Garden Grappler a little bit later on. Of course, so we answer your garden questions on this show. The numbers to call in, 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Or you can leave a message at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page if you are so inclined, or a short missive at Twitter at Farmer Fred, uh, and the Garden Grappler clue available at uh, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page as well as FarmerFred.com. Just click on the link that says a clue for the Garden Grappler. I'll tell you right now, it's a nifty chart, and we're going to be talking about that chart this hour. It's about nutrient availability in your soil based on the soil pH. Yes, it's garden science, <laughs> but that, it's very important. This is the time of the year. We talk about fall being for planting, and yes, it is the time for planting because it's cooler. Because Fred says so. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, look how well it went over of making my birthday uh, National Tomato Planting Day. That didn't work out. Well, it worked out for a while. Yeah, and then climate change happened, and yeah. now it's like... Uh, Whoever's birthday is March first is the yeah. you know, official tomato planting day. Well, not quite. March I was 1st. I was going to say that that seems a little that little seems early. a little early. But in, 20, in twenty years, it'll be March first. I've noticed the trend though over the years in my conversations with nursery people about it used to be way back when that they would be moaning about people coming in asking for tomatoes in mid February. Oh yeah. Now they're moaning about people asking for tomato plants the first week of January. Oh sure. And no. <laughs> Well, I mean, if they move them into a greenhouse, you know, pot them into a larger container, put them in a greenhouse. You mean uh, owner, retail customers? Yeah. Garden, home gardeners. Yeah, home gardeners. Yeah. You, you can buy plants beginning of January and 
put them in a, you know, buy a, a six pack and put it in a four inch pot and then later on put it in a one gallon container. And the, the, those tomatoes that are being sold in January have been sentenced to death because for the most part, yeah, when they hit the nursery, there are teeny tiny plants. These yeah. are plants that basically have been growing above ground for maybe five weeks or if six that. weeks. If that, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're plopped down into uh, some mass merchandise store in, outside yep. where they're expected to live. They usually don't. So, you know, it really does pay, if you're doing spring planting, wait. Yeah, wait till the appropriate time. Yeah. And, and when it comes to fall planting, it depends on what you're doing. Yeah. But in some situations, it may be better to wait. Uh, again, due to climate change. Yeah. One of the big issues I've discovered in the last few years are planting onion sets, onion transplants. You know, yep. you buy that bunch of little green stems or whatever yep. that are packed together in 50 and you separate them out, you stick them in the ground and uh, eight months later you've got onions. The case now is if those onion sets are planted in September, as was the old recommendations, the soil is still so warm and it stays warm for a much longer period of time, they may start growing. Then yeah. all of a sudden it gets cold. They stop growing. And all of a sudden you've got stunted onions that can't really recover the following spring. Yep. So more and more the advice is hold off on planting onion sets until October, late October even. Cool. And do it then. So. Thank you for that information. Yeah. Because that's something that most people don't know. Well, that again is a lesson learned the hard way. Yeah. So, so is that is that a farm? Just a question: Is that a farmer Fred recommendation, or is it UC? It was a UC recommendation UC? Okay. on their uh, onion uh, page, and they talk about okay. problems with onions. And one of the problems of onions were uh, undersized onions, and yeah. one of the causes of undersized onions was them starting to grow in fall, and then because the weather was nice, and then the weather got cold, yeah. and they stopped growing, and they basically never recovered. So if you had small onions, that might be the cause. So hold off a few weeks before planting onions. All right. Um, What else? We were were talking about the importance of, before you stick in those plants in the fall, is doing some uh, soil tests. Over on the KFBK Garden Show, we talked about the benefits of doing a pH test, which is the whole purpose of that chart that's uh, posted there at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, also as the clue to the garden grappler. Is there anything else you want to add to that about uh, pH and uh, the availability of the various soil nutrients? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, if the pH is out of whack, you, your plants are going to have nutrient deficiencies, and 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 so, and when typically when you have nutrient deficiencies, the foliage can look funny, but more important, the plant isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, when the plant isn't healthy, they actually exude chemicals out of the leaves that attract things like aphids and whiteflies and, and mealybugs and those kinds of critters that most gardeners don't like. And so it's really important that, that we don't have these nutrient deficiencies. And adding the nutrients isn't going to help if the pH is out of whack because you will add the nutrients. They will, they'll be available for the plants for maybe a week or two, but then they will be chemi- basically chemically locked up due to the, the improper pH. And so it's really important to to know the pH of your soil, and and the plants you want to put in the plants you want to put in, and 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 make sure that they match. In your years of testing soils in the Sacramento area, 
Is there a big problem with pH being out of whack? Um, a little, in my opinion, a little bit. I think I think the pH is a little high. If you look at this chart that, that's on your website, they say that you know they they go from six two to seven three. I think seven three is a little high. I mean that's that's correct as far as the best time uh, as far as availability of nutrients, as far as the the availability of nutrients and your plants liking those that pH. I would say it's six two to about six eight or six nine. Yeah, they, their range is suggest the suggested range for the availability of most of the nutrients, six two to uh, was it seven two or seven three? Seven three on the chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but I think for your for for most plants, and this is not your acid loving plants, just your regular garden plants and landscape plants. Um, six two to, to to six eight is 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 ideal for them. All right, because yeah. you know when you, when you get up to you know. 7.3 or beyond 7.2 especially iron um the the availability goes down iron being a micronutrient yep. uh there are historically three macronutrients the most important nutri- nutrients to be found in a soil no well no. i don't know I'm, I'm getting to your okay. little addendum okay. okay the the three most important nitrogen phosphorus or potassium Mr. Zion has always claimed that there may be two or three others that are just as important. No, no, I'm I'm saying that they are no important, no more important than than any of the the nutrients on this particular chart. They are just used in larger numbers. They are these, marketed more. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's because they are used by the plant in much larger okay, quantities. All right, but these are all you know. You don't have any They're one necessary. of these. Uh, yeah. If you don't have any one of these other nutrients in there, the, that plant's going to be really, really sick. These are all, the, the nutrients on this chart are all e, what are called essential nutrients that the plants must have. So macro referring to the amount that the plant uses, micro meaning they only, They use less. Yes. Yes. It's sort of like a 12-ounce glass of beer or a one-and-a-half-ounce shot of Lagavulin 16. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a scotch. All right. Uh, so the, anyway, the... Um, Nutrients we're talking about: nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, calcium, magnesium, iron, manganese, boron, copper, zinc, and the always mysterious molybdenum. It's actually pronounced molybdenum. 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 But because I'm a child of the '60s, I have always called it molybdenum. Oh, good golly, Miss Molly. Yeah. All right. Molybdenum. What is molybdenum? It is a trace mineral, and if you give me a second, I've sure. got to, I, I, I I'll spell it for people while you're looking it up. Okay. This might help you. Yeah. M-O-L-Y-B-D-E-N-U-M. Molly B. Denim. Oh, and I didn't have it. I don't have it down. No. I didn't look it up. That was when I didn't look up. We have to take a break anyway. Okay. We'll take a break, and then I'll find it. Then we'll, if we remember, we'll talk about Molly B. Denim and answer some, a lot of email questions coming in. We'll have to get to these when we come back to get growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Steve Zion from Living Resources Company, we're answering your gardening questions at 576-1578 in the 916 or 866-331-8255 or email that you're sending to fred at farmerfred.com before we get to your email questions. Just to wrap up with a pretty little bow, what we were talking about in the previous segment, 
about the soil nutrients that uh, should be in your soil to have a successful garden, there was one mysterious element called molybdenum. Molybdenum. Yeah, molybdenum. I like to call it molybdenum. Um, And it is essential for plants to change nitrogen into proteins and amino acids. And it's also essential in certain enzymes that clean and purge the plant system. Hmm. So it's I have part, a joke. Part, I can't use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's 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 the bathroom. Yes. It, 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 it it's important for the the plant bathroom. Yes. All right. Well, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like it it's helping out in the mycorrhizal functions as far as converting nutrients into a form the plant can use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of the nutrients make or or uh, other nutrients available or unavailable. Yeah, a lot of people have the mistaken idea that roots are like straws. They just suck up the water and the nutrients that are out there. But in reality, there are little waiters and waitresses underground yep. that are delivering these nutrients into a palatable form to yep. the roots themselves. Yeah. And that that's called the mycorrhizal Mycorrhizal fungi, fungi yeah. bacteria, frankia, ciliates, all sorts of little... Exactly. All right. Email. Uh, Bernadette writes in. I don't know where Bernadette lives, but it looks like she's done a fine job. On on planet Earth would be my guess. Yes. uh, Of soil solarization here. She says, I have been solarizing half my backyard, which was three quarters grass and one quarter planting bed. My plan is to reverse it to one quarter grass and three quarter bed. All right. The soil was full of Bermuda grass, which now looks white under the clear plastic. I'm attaching a photo. Here it is. It may be a little late now, but if you've had it on for the last six weeks, I think you, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, she says, I was going to rototill gypsum and compost into the bed section until I heard your show this morning. Should I soak the soil and add the gypsum and compost on the top and only gently work it in, perhaps with a, a pickaxe or a pitchfork, uh, into the existing clay soil. Ah, yes, the old pickaxe as a digging tool. <laughs> the uh, uh, my, my, my my first question is why does she think she needs to add gypsum? Because somebody told her. Yeah, I mean, you look at the bags of gypsum, and they actually have little hose, little devices that you you know hoe the soil with, dig H-O-E. up the soil. Yeah, and um, the being that I test soils and everything, the only time that, and and so they claim that gypsum was going to loosen clay soils, and that might work. Uh, the there's what uh, we were talking about all these trace minerals and and micronutrients, and there's a, a, a an important balance between calcium and magnesium that your soil needs to have, and when that when that uh, imbalance or when the, the there's an imbalance between that and you have too much magnesium and compared to calcium. What that does is it locks up your clay soils. It makes your clay soils so that water, air, nutrients, nothing moves through very well. So gypsum is primarily magnesium? Calcium. Calcium, okay. And so you would be adding calcium and reducing that imbalance. Um, But if you don't have that imbalance, it's not going to help. And in actuality, it can hurt because it also contains sulfur, which would help lower the pH if your pH is high. But sulfur is a natural fungicide, and so it's going to be detrimental and potentially kill a lot of those beneficial microbes we just mentioned. 
On the third garden show following this one, <laughs> we'll discuss cation exchange capacity. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no, I don't think no. so. Because there is another garden, or well, there's a, a farm, farm show. show yes. Yeah. And that might be the place to talk about cation exchange capacity yeah. in soils. Yeah. But, but, the, but, but, but basi- basically, you know, unless you know that you, you have that imbalance, um, and I will be honest with you, like I said, I do a lot of soil testing. I'd say about 60% of the soils that I test, that is actually their major thing that's out of whack in their soil. Um, what should it be? Seven to one. Seven parts calcium to one part magnesium or is it no i think it's i think it's the other way around <laughs> okay but basically that's the part that when you get a complete soil test done right which is what we're kind of leading up to here yeah when we're talking about all these little soil test kits that you can buy that of course is the 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 complete answer but uh, as far as uh, the adding right. gypsum to the soil isn't it meant mainly for high salt soils it, well, it can help that um, a little bit, um, but it, it, in, unless you you you've done a soil test and you know that you need it, and that, that that's true with with a lot of the crazy things that people talk about, especially with these trace minerals and stuff, you don't know what you, what you're doing, and uh, a lot of people are recommending uh, in various garden blogs and stuff that I re- that I read um, Epsom salts. And that has magnesium in it, mm-hmm. which, like I just said, 60% of our soils have too much magnesium. So you're adding more of something that you have toxic levels to. And it has salt. And salt is a dehydrating agent that sucks the moisture out of all that beneficial soil biology and potentially your roots as well. But Bernadette has this rototiller she wants to use. So you would at least say, well, maybe stay away from the gypsum and instead maybe uh, double up on the compost? I would double up on the compost, maybe get some earthworm castings because that's my favorite. And if you wanted to, if, if you felt you needed to do the rototiller, I would just basically scrape the, the, the surface of the soil. Typically when you have a lot of clay in your soil, um, you get what's called a surface crust. And uh, it, it water, air, nutrients, nothing wants to go through there. And you can, you can just use a metal garden rake. Get, this, get the surface of the soil a little moist. And then just take a, a, metal, a stiff metal garden rake, not a leaf rake, but a metal garden rake, um, and scratch that and break up that surface crust and then put your, your mulch or compost down. And water it in. And water it in. Okay, and, and maybe worm castings too? Yep. How, many, how much in the way of worm castings do you recommend people add? Oh, now you're just asking for my favorite story. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I always say as much as you can afford because it's expensive. And I had a client once where, you know, she wanted me to do a soil test. I went out to do the soil test. And we couldn't get a pick into her soil. It was, it was that hard. So I couldn't sample her soil to collect it and do a soil test. And so I said, I'm sorry, I can't do a soil test. I said, but there is one thing you can do. And it was this time of year. It was September. And I, I said, one thing I know you can do that will make a huge difference is add earthworm castings. And just put it on the surface of the soil this time of year. And this was back when we had our normal rains. We had a normal rainy season back then. And she asked me, well, how much earthworm castings should I put down? And I said, well, earthworm castings are expensive. And so I generally tell people as much as you can afford. And I neglected to look at her landscape. And your typical, you know, one-gallon container uh, of a plant might, might cost, you know, $10. 
all of her plants that of, of that size container probably would have cost her a hundred plants. All of her plants were very exotic, very expensive plants. And so I did not notice that. So I, I did not notice that this lady had an abundance of money to spend on her landscape. <laughs> and so I was probably incorrect in saying as much as you can afford. And so this was in September. She calls me up in May, very angry voice. You've got to come and do a free consultation and come out and see my landscape that we talked about in fall. And I knock on the door and she's looking kind of angry and we walk into the backyard and 90% of her plants are gone. And I, you know, my heart starts pounding. <laughs> and I said, what happened to your plants? And I said, she said, she pulled them out. I said, well, I didn't recommend that you pull them out. And she says, oh, I know. She said, it was just easier to put the, the earthworm castings down. And I said, well, you just lift the lower branches of your plants and just kind of scoot it underneath. She said, oh, this was just easier. <laughs> and then she took me out her, to her garden, and we couldn't get a pick into the, you know, into the ground. Back in previously. Back, back in September. Right. And this was, well, this was May, and she basically pushed, she shoved her fingers into the soil, worked it around a little bit, and got almost all the way up to her elbow. Her elbow? Yes, and not her wrist, not, not her, her fingers, wrist. Yeah, her it, elbow. Uh, yeah. And I said, well, what'd you do? And she said, I put down earthworm castings like you recommended. And she had this big smile on her face. And I said, well, how much did you put down? Because you couldn't see any earthworm castings at all. There, it was just bare soil. And I, she said six inches. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Considering uh, one inch would be about 300 square feet would cover 300 square feet and she had a sizable backyard yeah that's a lot that's a that's a hasty's delivering in the uh the numerous trunk trucks trailer numerous yes. trucks yeah and um but and it's and it you know a lot of times people say you break up clay soils by adding organic matter and it's not just the organic matter and that's why i recommend earthworm castings it's the critters that feed on that organic mm -hmm. matter uh, all those beneficial soil critters, the bacteria, the fungi, the actinomycetes. Why didn't the she replace fungi. the plants? She just hadn't gotten that to that stage yet. All right. Okay. And, and, and Had so, she saved the plants or did she throw them out? I think she threw them out. I didn't, I didn't see them in containers or wow. anything. Yeah. Wow. That's like but, but, Winchester but the, level. But the, of but, the, but the soil biology that, that she brought in um, opened up that clay soil for her. The story gets better every time I hear it, Grandpa Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, in another 10 years, she's going to walk on, on that soil, and she's going to just get sucked right in. <laughs> well, I, I missed the version of three years ago when uh, you mentioned that her chihuahua drowned. <laughs> All right. It's like quicksand. It's so, it's so loose and open. We'll take a short break. <laughs> when we come back, people are calling with questions. We'll get to your questions. Also, there's an intriguing email question that you're going to have fun with, Steve, from Jeremy, who wants to know about the compost and mulch that's available from landfills. So we'll talk about that when we come back to get growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Steve Zion, Sacramento's organic advocate, talking gardening, talking about fall soil preparation, talking about uh, 
plant problems you might have when you give us a call at 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255 or email that you're sending to fred at farmerfred.com. To the phones we go. Jim in Sacramento, thanks for holding. You're very welcome. I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago. I have the dwarf fruit trees in a half a 55-gallon drum. Oh, that's right, yeah. And you suggested that they be planted. So I live in the Florin Perkins area amongst all of the gravel pits and clay soil. So I'm about ready to go get the dynamite and the backhoe to dig a hole. But I didn't ask you how big a hole to dig. Well, that's the beauty of uh, planting trees now, and including fruit trees, is it doesn't have to go deep. It just needs to go wide. Yeah. And if you, and Steve won't like this, but if you have a rototiller, it's pretty easy to loosen up the top six inches of the soil in a six-foot diameter and only dig the hole deep enough that when you set that plant in the point where it had previously been in the soil, you'll see that wet line on the trunk of the tree where it was basically We're, below soil. Is That should be about an inch or two above the soil yeah. line, the existing soil line. So basically you want to dig a hole wide but not deep. Okay. it's about The, the barrel's are about three foot high now, so you're talking about probably a six-foot-wide hole that's two-and-a-half feet deep, maybe? Oh, you'll know that when you uh, plop, pop that uh, plant out of the tree, or out of the can, exactly how big that root ball uh, is. It, it may be... How long has it been in those barrels? Uh, about two years now, I guess. All right, well, that'd be, it would be fairly substantial, but not mm-hmm. overwhelmingly substantial. So you might be able to, in that six-foot uh, diameter, be able to spread out the existing roots, take your fingers through the roots and sort of comb it out and then sp- spread it out. A little bit. A, a little bit yeah. uh, through that hole. Yeah. And, and I would I would go wider and then I would, you know, again, mix in some organic, good quality organic compost or, or earthworm castings. But I also think that what's really important is when, when, um, when you dig that hole, um, the, the rototiller is going to basically compact to some extent the bottom of the, the that hole and the sides of that hole and so if you can take something like a digging fork and and poke holes through there or at least on the sides loosen it up yeah Yeah. and and on the sides if you can you know pull the soil away a little bit and then and then best just kind of use a, a a hand spade or something like that and and don't shovel the side away but kind of try and break it naturally away so that you don't have the 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 shearing uh, and creating a, 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 a basically smooth surface. You want to peel the soil off so that it'll break off where it naturally will break off so it'll be easier for roots and uh, nutrients to move into the native soil. Well, Steve, once again, you've opened up another can of worms. When you do. When you talk about mixing non-native soil into a planting hole for a tree, mm-hmm. what percentage of non-native soil such as compost, would you use? No more than 10%. Thank you. All right. Just wanted to make it clear. Yeah. Don't want anybody filling a hole with compost. No. 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 So, so no, I wasn't going to do that. I, okay. grow my own, I grow my own worm castings. And you already answered my question. So it's how much I can afford or yes. grow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're mixing it in, don't mix more than 10% in. 
Okay. And, right, and, well. and, and the, you know, what, what I try and tell people is, is when they're trying to figure out, you know, if you're going to amend the soil with organic matter, um, ideally you want to dig that hole as wide as the roots, you know, uh, as wide as the tree is going to be when it's matured. What kind of fruit trees are we talking about here? Oh, I have a Meyer lemon. I have a, a Pluot tree, a Daffy Dandle, a Daffy... Dapple Dandy, or a Daffy Duck. The Daffy Duck Pluot, yes. Um, and what, I have a peach tree, a queen peach tree that's a, on dwarf stock. And one other, which I can't think of at this quite this second. Well, so it's a mix of citrus and deciduous fruit trees. Yeah, but it, I would plant the citrus now in the barrels, but I'd wait until the deciduous fruit trees had lost their leaves before I'd plant yeah. those. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah. one, one thing that I really really like and re- highly recommend anytime you transplant anything, and even when you put seeds in, um, I like to water the plants in after they're they're installed with a liquid seaweed fertilizer that contains Ascophyllum nidosum. I'm sure everybody's going to recommend that. Is that an that seaweed? No, it's not. Actually, uh, th- there's a company called MaxiCrop, and I really like mm-hmm. their brand. Um, and it's available here locally at, at some of the nurseries, but there's also a, a product called Grow More that has the Ascophyllum nidosum. But the, mm-hmm. the MaxiCrop is, manufa- is, is farmed in Norway. And they have strict guidelines to make sure that it is being farmed uh, so that it will be able to regenerate itself for forever. Mm. No, I have bought into Steve's superstition on that as well. I think every time I plant something, I always include a tablespoon to a gallon of water yep. of uh, of some sort of kelp meal. Yep. Well, liquid All kelp. Right. Liquid kelp meal. Liquid yeah. kelp. Well, yeah. My, my fish emulsion has kelp meal in it. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. So, yeah, some of the fish... Some of the fish fertilizers do their fish and kelp. Yep, and yep. and to yeah, the uh, right. to the enjoyment of my wife, many of the fish and kelp products now have molasses in it yep. to cut down on the uh, fish aroma. Even though I love the aroma yeah. of fish emulsion in the morning, there are people in my neighborhood who don't. So there, there's well, that. I'm not, I'm, the that. Yeah. I'm not growing the trees in the house, so I'm not so worried <laughs> about the smell. Yeah. I, 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 I know, John. John, <laughs> it's Jim. Jim, thanks for the question. Jim. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Let's uh, delve into the email people have been sending in. And uh, Jeremy writes in and asks, what are your thoughts about the compost and mulch that's available at the landfills? Historically, I've been told that it could bring diseases to the property. If you put them around your plants, I would like your answer. I think one of the big problems of using landfill materials is you don't know how it was processed how it was if it was thoroughly composted yeah. or not and one of my big concerns has to do with grass clippings lawns that have been treated with a weed control product that may have contained 2,4-D or dicamba yep because the, the composting even in a, in a really really good compost pile that heats up uh, some of the herbicides do not break down um, I remember years ago, uh, state of Washington w- w- was a little ahead of us at that point in in green waste recycling green waste, and they were they were composting materials, and they had a, a, a you know a year's worth of compost that they basically had to put in the landfill. People were starting to use it, 
And it, you know, there was a lot of landscape waste in there from lawns that people were using these weed killers and people were then using the compost and that compost was killing their plants. Um, another issue that I have with, uh, landscape landfill, landfill compost is one, you don't know what that, what, what's in there. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of, I mean, there's garbage, there's plastic, there's all sorts of things that, you know, hopefully they, they screen most of that out, but I've still seen weird things in there. But the, the thing that concerns me in addition to the, the potential for, with weed, with the weed killers is that their main objective is to get rid of a waste product. Their, their main objective is not to make a quality compost. And so depending upon the operation, some of them do a wonderful job and make really great compost, but some of them do not. So how do you know? You've got to do some research and find out how, how they how they compost it. Are they, you know, making it in what are called windrows, basically these long tunnels? Mm-hmm. Um, are they waiting for, are they getting, are they measuring to, to see that the, the, the uh, compost is heating up to 160 degrees, 170 degrees, and then they're turning it and they're doing this on, on a regular basis? Um, are they keeping it at the proper moisture content? How is it? How is it being made? And 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 find that information out. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, it, it, potentially. Yeah. But I will say, and I can't. I I mean, I the, the company that I that I know of um, used to be called Grover. I don't know what their name is now. And I and with the new ownership, I don't know whether whether they're still making the same quality material. Um, but but they were down. I think it was in Sonoma County. No, they were down in uh, San, San Joaquin County, in no. around uh, Ripon. Okay, down in. Um, but area. but at the time, years ago, they were making a really really good quality material. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, I'll I'll see uh, who and, they are now. And, and you know, it, my I would like to think they still are. But you know, their, their their main business. You know, typically your landfill folks, their main business is to get rid of the 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 waste and the, the quality may be great but it may be not so good stanislaw county is where recology grover environmental products yeah. is located yeah. all right so and my, and my my guess is they're still doing a, a, a pretty good job yeah. all right we need to I take would like a, to think so anyway when we come back from this break uh, we'll go back to your phone questions as we continue with get growing on talk 650 kste Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, Steve Zion is here as well. Garden Grappler coming up in a few minutes. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Just click on the link that says a clue for the Garden Grappler. Also, at uh, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, you can find uh, the clue as well in graphic form. Back to the phones we go. Jason in Roseville, thanks for hanging in there. Hey, good morning, guys. Hi. Uh, good morning. Questions for you. I uh, recent transplant from Southern California, um, purchased an older home in Roseville, and just hearing you guys talk about it uh, today with all the now the from what I understand from what you're saying, clay soil is is potentially a problem in Southern California. I, I planted a horsetail, and man, that stuff just took off uh, like crazy. But it's really not um, in uh, this current uh, soil. I'm wondering if that's maybe the problem. Uh, did, uh, did you plant horsetail in Roseville? Yes. Okay, and what's it doing? 
Uh, it's, it's just not really spreading. It's staying, you yeah. know, I, I purchased. I, I uh, consider it an invasive weed and recommend people never, ever, 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 ever plant it. <laughs> kind of well, like bamboo. It's, yeah, it's it's inside of, um, you know, there's cement all around. Uh, I have experience with it before, so I know to keep it away from, you know, the yard even. So it's up yeah. against the house, and there's, I don't know, maybe five feet of cement. It wouldn't even be able to reach. Yeah, but that cement's going to crack. Yeah. I, I thought, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought horsetail needed a fairly wet environment. Yeah, usually, yeah. Okay. So, so it should be, it's, it's, should be okay in a, in a clay soil. Well, that, but I'm thinking more in terms of water usage. And uh, you know, yeah. water's getting more expensive in Roseville. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that leads into the next question. So the, the grass along the front yard and side yard is going to be torn out completely because it's just full of weeds in this summer again new house so it took an insane amount of water just to try to keep the grass green ain't worth so it that's all coming i'm sorry it's not worth it to keep a suffering lawn green no. by throwing water on it what you're doing is correct rip it out start yeah. again yeah yeah it's it's coming out and then we're just going to do weed cloth and some decorative rock probably black lava rock but in that that side yard i want to I want to get your opinion on, I've seen at some of these nurseries, and they look really cool, it's uh, triple trunk king palm trees. And I was thinking of planting, uh, I don't know, four or five of those down the side of the yard. What's your opinion on the triple trunk king palm trees? Steve, what do you know about triple trunk king well, it's palm just, it, trees? It, it, it's a king <laughs> palm, and I don't think that they necessarily, you know, my understanding is they don't do very well here. I do know that there are, um, last time I looked, and this was years ago, um, they had a couple in Capitol Park, um, so they can grow here, um, but I think they're, they're you know, somewhat frost tender, um, I think. Meaning, would they die entirely, or just stop yeah. their growth? Yeah, I mean, I mean, many of the. I mean, I had a palm tree, and I can't remember what the variety is. When I first moved to California, that was the first thing I did was plant a palm tree, and mm-hmm. it it got to be huge. And and then we had a hard frost, and the, it killed the growth tip, and ended up you know killing the killing the tree. Whenever I am facing a choice of a tree and i don't know too much about the tree one of the best sites to go for is cal poly san luis obispo has a website called select tree and at select tree you can look up just about any tree and about the king palm it really says it's best suited for sunset zones 21 through 24 you're in roseville that's is that zone nine or 13 it's but it's not 21 to 24 sunset zones 21 24 that's santa barbara los angeles uh lotus land honolulu so the king palm would be better suited to an area that did not get freezing temperatures and it does require moist soil as well as loam or a sandy texture so there's two strikes right there uh, so I'm not so sure that would be a good choice. Uh, see, the problem with uh, depends on what nursery you go to. Don't tell me who which one it was, but if it was a mass <laughs> merchandiser, the, these these buyers of plants are buying for all the, the big box stores for the entire state. Yeah. So you end up with plant material for our area that's really best suited for Southern California. That's not uncommon at all to find at the big box stores. So, yeah, I would, boy, but if you saw it at a real bona fide Sacramento area nursery, I would say they're selling it as an annual. <laughs> yeah. Not a tree. 
But it was, well, they, and they and you, you know, I'm on, in reference to the big box stores, I work with some of them, and they do have some folks in the nursery department that really know their stuff. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. And um, so it all depends on who who you're talking to, and and they might you know be able to tell you that this is not really the the proper plant. Yeah, I mean it does grow quickly. People like fast growing plants, but the fact of the matter is, if we get a hard freeze, and that's quite possible, uh, it, it's going to die back severely since the tree is best suited for Southern California. Yeah. Okay, so when you say die back, it'll kill the tree entirely, or would it just kind of stunt the growth a little bit? Well, my, my, with, the, with the palm that I had, and like I said, I can't remember what it was, um, I later learned that the growing point the, where, where all the growth here occurs in that particular variety, and I'm not a palm expert, um, but that, on that one was in the top of the tree. And if you kill that growing point, the tree dies. Yeah. And So you're I, stuck I, with I, a stump. Yeah. All right. And I suspect, but not, again, I'm not a palm expert, that that would be the case with most palms. If take take palms. a walk through your neighborhood and see how many king palm trees you see. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're out in Roseville. It's, it's, it's not going to have the same heat island effect that you have in, like, Capitol Park where you've got this big downtown area. And higher humidity at Capitol Park, yeah, too. And, yeah, and, and it, you know, it's not going to get as cold in Capitol Park as yeah. it will be in your landscape. But, yeah, check your local neighborhood for trees that are doing well that sort of catch your eye and go with those. And, and I also want to recommend a, 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 a garden class. There's the Green Gardener Program at, for, for at-home gardeners. It's an eight-week class. Uh, coming up in Roseville starting on January 29th, going through March 19th. Uh, residents in the Roseville area, it's $55. Non-residents, $65. It's an eight-session class, and it's absolutely tremendous. A and website for more information? A website. Uh, just Google search. It's a long website. Okay. Just Google search uh, the Roseville Exploration Center. And then look for their for their garden classes. And okay. it's the Green Gardener at Home 8-Week Series. All right. Jason, we're out of time here. Thanks for your good questions. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Continue your okay. search. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah. that's a, uh, oh, We see this a lot where people move into the Sacramento area from uh, the Bay Area or Southern California, want to bring their plant habits with them. Yep. And uh, they spend a lot of money to find out, well, maybe that wasn't a good idea. Yep. I mean, it's, it, you can do it for as an annual. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yes. I mean, like, like. I mean, Bougainvillea is a really good example, and well, and and Bougainvillea yeah, will come back will, if it's established. Yeah, if you can get established, yeah. and and if it's in the right location, it, yes. you you know, I mean, I've seen some really old ones. And with I've, climate I've, change, I've, who knows? Yeah, and I and I have I've, I've got had a friend who had a a banana plant, and on yeah. on rare occasions it died back to the ground. But yep. every you know, well, that's rare that it didn't die back every year. Yeah, yep. it, it and it usually did not. All right, we have to take a break. When we come back, it's garden grappler time. Chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. Oh, cool! I like to win prizes. I I doubt that. When we continue with Get Growing on Talk Six Fifty KSTE and KSTE dot com on your iHeartRadio app. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's garden grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. If you've been listening to us for the last hour or so, you may have the answers in your head. Maybe. 
Also, it's available as a clue at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page and also at uh, FarmerFred.com. Just click on the link that says a clue for the Garden Grappler. And the question, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, name a soil nutrient. We talked about soil nutrients and the relationship to pH levels. And we mentioned a whole host of soil nutrients. Just name one of those. Name a soil nutrient. All five callers get a prize, special bonus prize for caller five, because as you know, in the Garden Grappler, you cannot repeat an earlier answer. I'm going to let Steve judge this one. I know an answer. I bet you know one, but if somebody... Garbanzo. Garbanzo? No. That's a bean. Oh. Maybe I don't know an answer. Okay. Well, you better come up with something. Okay. All right. And anyway, uh, he'll be judging it. Uh, The numbers to call... 916-576-1578, 916-576-1578, 916-576-1578, 916-576-1578, or 866-331-8255. Name a soil nutrient. All five callers get a prize, bonus prize for caller five, because in the Garden Grappler you cannot repeat an earlier answer. Another clue would be to go out in your garden shed and look at a bag of fertilizer. You got that too, yeah, or yep. read the label on yep. a box of fertilizer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where is now? You brought up an interesting point there. Where is the best place to store fertilizers? Not not uh, insecticides, but fertilizers. Read and follow label directions. I have never seen a box of fertilizer storage instructions. There are some of them are yeah, uh, especially the newer ones, um, because of the fact that they are c- containing beneficial soil biology, and they generally say, uh, I think, if I recall correctly. Uh, store in a cool, dry place. As opposed to the asphalt parking lot where you picked up the bag to begin with right. at the store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in full sun. You know, yeah, or, 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 or you know, a, a garage that has no windows and it you know, gets to be 160 yeah. degrees. Yeah, well, there's that, too. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And a yeah. garden shed would be much the same way. Yeah. It's too hot in the summer, too cold in the winter. Yeah. Do we keep everything under our bed? Is that the best <laughs> place for it? Refrigerator. Yeah. Well, actually, what I use for fertilizers uh, for storage is, is an old refrigerator in the garage. It's yeah. not plugged in, yeah. but it's just, I mean, it's a sealed container. Yeah. I, I use a carport where there's a nice breeze mm-hmm. and it's shady. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, basically anything that's protecting it from the elements yeah. to a certain degree and not yeah. allowing too much heat or cold to permeate or, or, that or area. sun yeah and, and again in particular when it's an organic fertilizer that contains the beneficial soil biology although there there are a few synthetic fertilizers that say there's soil biology in there and they probably put the soil biology in there and it may still be alive for the moment uh, in a dormant form but uh, when you apply that material add moisture the salts in the synthetic fertilizers come out and then uh, basically suck the moisture out of the soil biology. It would be nice in home design if they included the garage in their HVAC plans. It doesn't have to be full heat or full air, but some sort of secondary system that moderates the temperature somewhat in an uninsulated area. Well, that's what children are for. They, you know, they, you go to your freezer and you take out the ice cubes and you keep hauling them out to the carport or your shed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure what you were getting. Yeah, no, well, yeah, but then you have the issue of more energy and more electricity, and 
Well, that's why I'm yeah. saying in this day and age why somebody hasn't thought of some sort of solar-powered so, heating and air yeah. system that's only meant for, uh, you know, 400 square feet. Well, yeah, I, I mean, okay. But folks that make things like Tough Shed yeah. should start make, designing solar panels. For solar roof. panels and, 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 and an insulated building. Yeah. Just for, for storage of... of those kinds of things. We had to replace our garage door recently, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that uh, one of the options available was door insulation. Oh, and cool. of course, we opted yeah. for that. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Now, another thing that's really important in a garden, semi-garden-related issue is garage doors, in many cases, are where pests enter buildings. Rats, in particular. No. You mean when the door's open? When the door is closed. Really? Because there's and, gaps. And because there's gaps. And and a lot of times people are getting, you know, rodents in the house. And I always ask them, you know, one, do you keep the garage door closed? And two, you know, is there a seal along the gra- where the garage door meets the pavement mm-hmm. where there is no opening at all? A mouse can get into a hole the size of a lead pencil. And so you need a, they're called sweeps, I think. You need a really good sweep that basically does not have any kind of gap. Wait a minute. The, the people at home are still laughing at the thought of a rat getting through a hole the width of a pencil. Yeah. I, I have an you, hard time look, buying that, too. Look, Maybe a first grader's pencil that's about an a, inch a, thick. A number, a number two pencil. A number two oh. pencil. Well, you're really big on University of California. Yeah, okay, it's, all right. It's there. Go ahead, find it. Uh, I'll, I'll, but I just got to believe it's got to be at least a half inch for a mouse. I mean, not a rat, but a mouse. I mean, for a rat, you're going to need uh, something a little bit bigger than that. Maybe not an inch, but... A, a rat's bigger, but a mouse... Yes, a rat is bigger. Thank you. So the opening would be bigger. Thank you. Yes. And yes, indeed. So maybe uh, uh, one of those jumbo crayons, you know, <laughs> that you have to hold two hands on. <laughs> All right, you find that. All right, let's get some garden grappler answers here. Again, the numbers to call 576 1578 here in the 916 or 866 331 8255. Who's first up here? It looks like it is Lacey. Wait a minute. My mouse isn't working. Hold on a second here. Well, all you need is a pencil sized hole and you'll get it to work. Thank you. Uh, is it Lacey in Marysville? Yes. Hi, Lacey. Hi. So, uh, my husband wanted me to tell you congratulations on your metric century, first of all. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, anytime I go out the day before I do a radio show and do a metric century, I suffer the next day. Thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> well, he's going to tell you kudos. Thank you. Appreciate it. I, I, tried, um, I, I try to do one a month. All right. So I'll give you an easy one since I'm first and say calcium. Steve. That, that works. Calcium, yes. Yep, yep. All right, build strong bones. All right, calcium, and what, what does it do for plants? Oh, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> um, you know that yeah. off well, the top of your head. The, it makes the tomatoes so they don't get blossom and root, um, blossom and rot as long as the plant is able to actually utilize it oh thank you for saying that Lacey. good job you've been listening yeah right because calcium generally we have insufficient quantities in our soil um it makes for it creates a healthy environment around the plants serving as a carrier for all of the other nutrients within the plant um it reduces the toxic effects of magnesium and the destructive soil various soil-borne diseases 
Um, it activates many of the beneficial soil microscopic enzymes uh, and systems that work. Um, improves the beneficial microbial population in the soil. Formation of healthy plant uh, plants so that you have uh, thicker cell walls that are going to be more pest resistant. So it does all sorts of good groovy stuff. Yeah. All right. Good answer, Lacey. Hey, I'm glad you uh, knew that about blossom end rot and, and yep. calcium availability. That's right. It's all about availability. Yep. All right, so uh, I've got for you from the folks at Our Water, Our World, one of Steve Zion's favorite handouts, the uh, beautiful illustrated brochure, The Ten Most Wanted Bugs in Your Garden. Yeah, my favorite. My, it's my favorite flyer. It's the beneficials in all their stages of life so you don't accidentally kill a baby good guy. Yep. And I'll be, also, thank you. I'll be sending you the Farmer Fred Vegetable Planting Calendar as well. So, th- okay, thank you. Lacey, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. All right. And, and, and before we go further, yeah. here's the University of California's Integrated Pest Management website talking about mouse exclusion. Mouse, mouse exclusion, okay. Ex, uh, exclusion is the most important, successful, and permanent form of house mouse control. Build them out by eliminating all gaps and openings larger than a quarter of an inch. Quarter of an inch? A quarter of an inch, which is about the diameter of a number two pencil. Oh, they're on drugs. <laughs> Quarter inch. Wow. All right. Fine. Huh? You know, Lacey mentioned uh, her husband was congratulating me for riding my bike yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're an old man. How did you get on a bike? Well, no, come on now. Well, you've been uh, doing it for yes, forever. Yes, for forever is right. Yes, exactly. Uh, for 100 years. Something like that. And I, I'm glad I'm still able to do it. Yeah. And, and a metric century, for those who don't know, is uh, 100 kilometers which Steve thinks is three miles, but in reality, it's six sixty-two point one miles. And I'm just doing this in preparation for an October 6th fundraiser for the Sacramento Children's Home. Uh, it's the Sacramento uh, Century Challenge that's uh, coming up, put on by the Seroptimus Club. And they're raising funds for the Sacramento Children's Home and their Crisis Nursery Program, which helps out really the most vulnerable of our population and that's the young children in need of a safe haven, and that includes our immigrant population. And so the funds raised uh, go to that. And so uh, as a fundraiser, I'm, I'm participating and, and hoping people will uh, support me and my ride uh, on October 6th to do 100 miles. And I issue this challenge, uh, make a donation. And if I, for some reason, fail to ride the 100 miles, uh, I will match your contribution to the Sacramento uh, Children's Home. So do they make the donation in your name? Yeah, you go. what you do is you go either to the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, and uh, I just posted a link there to uh, how you can donate to what we're calling Farmer Fred's Ride for the Kids, or at uh, the FarmerFred.com website, and uh, donate there. And you just click and donate, and it makes it real easy. And I'm trying to get up to the $1,000 level. And, oh, it's already gone up this morning thank you very much for your contributions appreciate it and uh it's uh you know so i I mean i have to work at this i'm i'm not obviously 25 anymore although you look it oh thank you yes (laughs) i don't know how to take that anyway uh what else metric in metric years yes metric (laughs) years and uh you know heart issues diabetes issues over the years but I've always uh, maintained uh, my habit of riding a bike because it is my psychotherapy or psychotherapy, if you yeah. will. 
but it's a just good exercise and helps keep you healthy. And I like to do it, and it makes me happy. People yeah. are always amazed if they ride with me and go, you're so nice when you ride a bike. Why aren't you like that in real life? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like the same thing when I'm on my kayak. Okay, I'm really yeah. nice on my kayak. All right. Anyway, if you could uh, help uh, support the Sacramento Children's Home and uh, my ride uh, in the Sacramento Century Challenge on October 6th, I would appreciate it. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll get to answers 2, 3, 4, and 5 in today's Garden Grappler. Name a soil nutrient. It's the Garden Grappler. It's going on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. We are in the midst of the Garden Grappler, finding people who can name a soil nutrient. Lacey in Marysville let us off with the answer calcium. That's a good answer. Steve Zion is here to judge the quality of your answers. Uh, Who's next up? It's Ken in Rockland. Hi, Ken. Hello. Ken, go ahead. Name a soil nutrient. How about potassium? Steve? Potassium is very good. It's one of the three major nutrients um, that the plants use the most. And potassium is really important because it gives overall help to the entire plant system. It makes the plant function properly. There's no really one thing that it does other than make the plant be be able to do everything that it wants to do. So good answer. Thank you. You want to hear a little tidbit that I uh, heard before? I haven't tried it, but uh, throw the banana peels in around your uh, tomatoes and they seem to do a little better. Oh... Yeah, I remember back in the 60s, some of us tried smoking banana peels and yeah. nothing happened. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I, my, my concern is that you're asking for rodent issues. Yeah, there is that, yeah. There is that issue, yes. So, All right, well. Whatever makes you happy, Ken. There you go. All I'll right. try smoking them next time. There you go. All right. Okay. All right, bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Who's up next here? Well, this guy must have smoked a banana or two in his time. Phil and Moraga. Oh my God! Not till the seventies. Not till the seventies, <laughs> dude. Oh, and and by the way, I I do put my um, fertilizers in a uh, old refrigerator in the garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good place. So I, unfortunately, Fred, you and I are a little alike. Unfortunately, you don't want to hear that. But yeah, how about my favorite, my favorite, my favorite one? Micronutrient, molybdenum. Molyb. Molybdenum. molybdenum. It's molybdenum. But, but I, yeah, I, I always call it molybdenum. Um, but yes, oh. it, it's a, it's a very very important nutrient. It's not one of the. It's not used in huge amounts, but it is essential for plants to change nitrogen protein uh, into amino acids, and it's also in, uh, essential in certain enzymes that clean and purge the plant. So it's kind of like the uh, internal bathroom. Help, helps the internal bathroom system of the plant as well. Yeah. L- little known. <laughs> little known. Little... Oh, my God. Maybe I should eat some molly denim. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Um, gentlemen, I'm, with that, I'm going to let you go. Have a great day. I'm going to be sending. I'll, I'll send you something, Phil. Thank you. ride, my friend. Thank you. Talk to you later. All bye-bye. right. Bye-bye. Uh, I, 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 I'm kind of glad that somebody gave that answer because I've been anxiously awaiting be able to say say that yes thank you for your x-lax answer (laughs) all right uh actually all five contestants get that uh, brochure from our water our world called the 10 most wanted bugs in your garden 
and also the Farmer Fred uh, vegetable planting calendar uh, coming. And, uh, and you, meant, you, meant, well. you mentioned, I think it was on the other show, we, we, we talked about the fact that I've re- basically re- retired from my landscape business only doing soil, soil testing and consultations. But I am also doing, I am continuing to do at least for one more year, uh, consulting with Our Water, Our World. Working, okay. working with area because you like hanging out in aisles of hardware stores. Yes, and and nurseries and nurseries. Yep. Yes. All yep. right. oh, okay. Where do we go from here? It would be Zella in Lincoln. Hi, Zella. Hi. So, Zella, go ahead. Give us a soil nutrient. Magnesium. Magnesium. Very, very good answer. And what does magnesium do? I'm looking it up. Yeah, I know. Give, give well, me a second. Magnesium gives plants their green color. Uh, oh. Being an important con- uh, constituent of chlorophyll. Okay, don't mention the one big one though that hasn't been mentioned yet that also adds green color. Yeah, it's okay. essential for uh, photosynthesis, uh, particularly the activity of enzymes and seed formation, and it uh, assists in the transformation of another nutrient. Thank the plant. You. Good for you. All right. Hey, Zella, good job there. I'll be sending you from uh, Our Water, Our World, that brochure of beautiful, beneficial insects and all their life stages, as well as uh, the Farmer Fred planting calendar. Thank you very much. Thank you, Zella. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Uh, all right. That takes us to call at number five in today's Garden Grappler. It is Don in West Sacramento. Don, if you can come up with another nutrient uh, so for the soil other than calcium, potassium, molybdenum, or magnesium I have for you from the Sacramento County Master Gardeners and Master Food Preservers, their 2019 Gardening and Preservation Guide and Calendar. Whew. Don? Yes? Be my guest. Uh, nitrogen? Steve? Yeah. Yeah, the big one, the big N. That, that, that is actually the nutrient that is used the most by plants. Um, also leaches through the soil most rapidly, and that's why we have to uh, typically apply it more often. Um, and it is primarily used by the plant to create growth, right. leaf growth, stem growth, root growth. Don, good job. I'll be sending you the uh, Master Gardener and Master Food Preserver Gardening Guide and Calendar for 2019. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. All right, Bye-bye. good job. Yeah, the uh, yeah, that's uh, our friend uh, G. Yes, thank you. <laughs> exactly, we were thinking the same thing. Up, and, up down, and all around. Up, down, and all around. Yeah, when she uh, d- describes the functions of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium uh, in the soil. She talks about uh, nitrogen up, phosphorus down, and potassium all around. Yeah, nitrogen going up, producing the above ground portion of the plant phosphorus down is important in root development although it's also important in flower and and seed formation and fruit formation and potassium like i talked about before is just the overall health of the plant make everything yeah. work there you inside go. the plant all right good job all yeah. right everybody hey guess and, who's and, on the and, what? and thanks g yeah giselle yes yeah all right <laughs> Who, Charlie, Charlie's hey, in Brooklyn. Son. Hey, Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing Steve, fine. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Charlie? All right. You guys were talking about wood chips on the first show. Yeah. Yep. In the vegetable garden, there's a woman that did a workshop in my community garden, and she did the back to Eden, and she showed the video a little bit. I didn't go, but then I watched the video on YouTube, and the guy's putting wood chips in his vegetable garden. But when you look in the forest, you don't see wood chips. You see leaves, 
on the ground. Isn't it better to put leaf mulch in your vegetable bed and the wood chips on the floor? I, I would I would put the wood chips like I said before in the I think it was on the other show uh, around my woody plants, um, yeah. but uh, and and leaves and grass clippings and those kinds of things um, in and around the vegetables, making sure that there are yeah, no, no, no weed seeds in there. Yeah. Now the question is, how do you go about making those leaves smaller so that they decompose? Oh, I have faster? a Ryobi weed whacker. <laughs> yeah, you can run over them with a lawnmower. Yeah. You can't even step on a bag and do it. I, I know people who, who who put them in a in old fashioned metal garbage can, and uh, run their weed eater down in there, and and but you know yeah. basically use it as a blender. That's what I do. I yeah. use the weed uh, weed whacker, then I throw it into the. I have a fifty five gallon drum plastic, and then I have two more garbage pails I got this year. So I'm filling those up. And that's how I do it. And the yeah. plants, the plants love it. I see the difference. Yep. And you're spending a small fortune on string for the trimmer? No, no. I brought the blades. Did the plastic blades? Yeah, I would think that would they would go even quicker then. No, they're, no, they're, they're, they're great. Yeah. No, I do. I love I love those plastic blades on, yeah. on the weed. Yeah, I use the plastic garbage pails to weed. I put like a bunch of leaves in, and I weed whack them, and I put them into the pails that are going to end up becoming compost. Yeah, I don't yeah. fill up the pail because then you bog down the in. You got problems trying to take them out, so I just do like maybe two feet. I put in and I weed whack them, and I throw them in the other pails. I put a little compost, shoot a little water on it, then that's the end of it. Yeah, there you go, and All that's right. why you grow tomatoes the way you do, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. All right. I wish you guys could come to Brooklyn and do a show like a workshop for these people with the garden mitts and all this stuff, like the banana peels. In our dreams. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. like what they tell you to put nails in the ground for iron. Oh, please, don't go there. Yeah, no, right? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go to the, the hardware store and buy a box of nails to get iron. <laughs> yeah, right. right, yeah, just make sure they're not galvanized, yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, Charlie. All right. Thanks, Charlie. You got it. Good Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. When we come back, let's uh, go through some upcoming garden events, Steve, including okay. uh, what you may be doing. Yeah, I, I am doing a few things. We can talk about that. Yeah, if you remember how to drive. Yeah, because okay. I am I am going to have to drive, especially to one of those events. Yes, you will. All right. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You are listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome back. It's Fred on Get Growing. Steve Zion is here, too from Living Resources Company, and there are upcoming garden events. One thing you can do today that's going on, it's the Begonia Show going on at the Shepherd Garden and Arts Center at 3330 McKinley Boulevard. That's going on until 3 o'clock today. A lot of great begonias. I, I mentioned this on the other show, but it bears repeating. A lot of people, when you mention the word begonia or African violet or chrysanthemum, they have an idea of what that plant looks like, and that idea is usually based on what they see every time they go to a grocery store or a big box store, which are kind of boring ground cover plants or yeah. plants that just seem to all look the same, when in reality, all three of those fall-type bloomers have a wide variety of family members that come in all shapes and sizes and colors, begonias being one of them. You will be amazed at the variety of begonias you would see at the uh, Sacramento branch of the American Begonia Society's plant show and sale going on today 
at the uh, Shepherd Garden and Arts Center at 3330 McKinley Boulevard. Coincidentally, next Sunday and Saturday is the uh, African Violet Show, the Delta Gisneri at an African Violet Show and Sale, and you would be amazed at all the varieties and sizes and shapes and colors of African Violets that there are. But I, to me, the real showstopper is in November, and that's the Chrysanthemum Society Show and Sale. And a lot of people think florist chrysanthemums and, you know, kind of boring 12-inch tall plants with sort of pom-pom type flowers on them, when in reality, the flowers, the sizes, the, the shapes of the flowers are amazing in their variability. And so in November, plan on going to the Chrysanthemum Society's show and sale. Yeah, it's a good group. I just spoke to them a couple of months ago, about, talked to them about soil. Oh, okay. Not about chrysanthemums. No. No. Because you have the benefit of being able to talk about a subject that everybody needs to know about in order to grow their favorite plant. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. What do chrysanthemums like? I when when I I it, <laughs> nothing. Not even it, the basics. It, 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 I don't worry about feeding the, the plant. We you I know, know you don't worry about we, feeding the plant, but we, we talked about the necessary pH of for a plant. But it's on. but it, you're feeding the soil. Yeah, you take care of the soil, and and I I do not think that they have any uh, pH requirements. I think they're they're yeah. they would be in the Neutral. generalist plants that like it six two to six eight seven zero oh, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Okay, I was just giving you a hard time. Yeah, no, but again, when you're talking fertilizer, you're you're feeding the soil. I mean, you I know you go to the local nurseries and they say this is a rose fertilizer, this is a vegetable fertilizer. And in many cases, the vet, you know, if you're talking one manufacturer, the vegetable fertilizer and the flower fertilizer could be the exact same thing, except the packaging is different. Different picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the percentages of, of nutrients can be the exact same. But you're feeding the soil. It's all about feeding the soil. I bet that's what you're going to talk about in Colfax on Friday. Uh, this Friday on September 14th at approximately 11 o'clock, I'm going to be talking. Why do you say approximately? Are you going to get lost? No, they they have their their actual physical meeting oh. where they discuss things pertaining to their organization at I think 10:30, and then I have when they're done, there there'll be a short break, mm-hmm. and then I will speak. Can anybody go to this? Uh, any kind of human being, yes. Okay. They, right. they prefer to limit it to human beings. All right. Um, but I'm going to be talking about, uh, it's all about our soil, uh, a revised version of my presentation, Soil, Not Just a Dirty Word. This is going to be at the Colfax Garden Club at 55 School Street in Colfax at their Shasta Vista Community Center. And that's 11 o'clock uh, this coming Friday, the 14th. All right. And uh, it's free, as far it as is, we know. It is yeah. free, yes. Okay. Coming up uh, to, no, later today, this evening, from 5 to 8 p.m., the Sacramento County Master Gardeners have an information table set up at the concert in the park at North Laguna Creek Park at 6400 Jacinto Avenue in Sacramento to answer your gardening questions. And that'll be this evening from 5 until 8 o'clock. I guess they don't realize that by September 9th, it's dark at 8 o'clock. Whatever. All right, I'm or almost dark. It's yeah. The it's, sun's it's, probably set. It's but, pretty darn dark because I, yeah. last night I was trying to wash the windshield of my car at eight p.m. and I was having a hard time seeing yeah. the windshield. Yeah. All right, and I discovered this morning that I didn't do a very good job. <laughs> All right.
Coming up uh, Tuesday, the Yolo County Master Gardeners have a free class on culinary herbs from 1030 to noon at the West Sacramento Community Center at 1075 West Capitol Avenue in West Sacramento. Then they have a lawn conversion workshop next Saturday from 9 to 10, put on uh, again by the Yolo County Master Gardeners at uh, Woodland Community College at 2300 East Gibson Road, building 400. We mentioned uh, the uh, Delta Gisneriad and African Violet uh, Society show and sale next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, at the uh, Shepherd Garden and Art Center. Uh, what are you doing on the 20th, Steve? On the 20th, which is Thursday, I'm teaching an all-day class for primarily horticultural professionals and master gardeners and folks that really know their stuff already. Um, it's called the River Friendly Green Gardener uh a program for horticultural professionals. It's the first of three modules, all-day classes. This first one is called Building and Maintaining Healthy Soils. So we're going to be talking about the soil, food web, and appropriate fertilization, compost, mulch. And this will be at the Folsom Community Center, 52 Natoma Street in Folsom. And I will be teaching two-thirds of that program. I'm going to be teaching all about soils and, and fertilization. Uh, the second component of that class, it's another all-day 8 to 5 program on October 4th, and that's going to be all about irrigation, and that's going to be at the Antelope Gardens at 7800 Antelope Road in Antelope. And then I'll be teaching one-third of the class, the last one, on October 11th. These are all evening classes, 8 to 5. And, <laughs> no, that's a that's an all-day class. Or an all-day class, yeah. yes. Um, and this one's going to be about plants in the California landscape, right plant, right place, as well as integrated pest, pest management. I'll be teaching the integrated pest management portion, and that will be at Howe Park at 2201 Cottage Way here in Sacramento. And for more information, go to rescapeca.org forward slash event. Or you can email Teresa at rescapeca.org. I take it that these three classes are aimed towards horticultural professionals? Yes. Okay. And there, there is a class, basically this, a very similar green gardener class, um, coming up in January for homeowners uh, being held up in Roseville. And uh, uh, Google search uh, Roseville Exploration Center. And then look up their uh, Green Garden Guide, and it's in there. And it's an eight-week class. Uh, starts on the 29th of January, going through March 19th. And this one's an evening class, 6.30 to 8.30. And it's really reasonably priced. Non-residents, $65. Residents of Roseville, uh, $55. And I'll be teaching uh, uh, quite a few of those classes as well. Great program. I'm sorry. I was just and, noticing and, the number of 49ers that are falling to the ground and staying there. And, and, and I highly recommend um, signing up for that Green Gardener at Home class at, in, in Roseville early. That's like in January. Soon. Okay. It's in January because yeah. they have limited seating, and it's really popular because it's a really great class, and it fills up early. The Sacramento County Master Gardeners next Saturday have a composting workshop. We've been talking about invigorating the soil as a great fall project, adding compost. Great idea, and you can make your own. Probably the best compost you can buy is the stuff you make your own. Without a doubt. Yeah, because it's uh, all the ingredients, you know exactly what it is. Yep. 
and you can keep out the nasty stuff. Yeah, and this class will be at the North Highlands Antelope Library at 4235 Antelope Road in Sacramento. Next Saturday, 1 to 2 o'clock, it is a free class. Also, the uh, El Dorado County Master Gardeners, Master Food Preservers, rather, have a class on making herb salts and dried herbs, and that class will be next Saturday at the uh, Bethel Delfino Ag Building at 311 Fair Lane in Placerville. And it's a $20 class. It's 9 to noon, and that's put on by the Master Food Preservers of El Dorado County. A little further up the hill, up in uh, Grass Valley, on September 15th, next Saturday, it's a Home Gardener's Guide to Seed Saving, and that is put on by the uh, Nevada County Master Gardeners at the Demo Garden at 1036 West Main Street in Grass Valley. And uh, one more? Two more? Three more. Farmers Markets and Pickling. Uh, cucumbers are perfect for pickling. They can. So maybe you go to a farmer's market and you buy a lot of cucumbers, or you grow a lot of cucumbers. What do you do with them? Well, they're having a class in San Joaquin County. The master food preservers are of the San Joaquin Valley on pickling cucumbers, dill, sweet, bread, butter, refrigerator. Bring an apron, it says here. Uh, Class begins at 10 next Saturday at the Robert Cabral Ag Center at 2101 East Earhart Avenue in Stockton. $25 uh, charge. Space is limited. Register. For more information, you can call them at 209 Nine five three sixty one hundred. I, I remember years ago when I was a mere Ute, and uh, <laughs> we, you know, we'd go to my grandmother's house, and she, she did not, she never had a garden. She lived in an apartment, but she would go to the the, the farmers market and get cucumbers and make pickles, and she made the the most amazing dill pickles. And you know, so so you know, when you go to these classes for like pickling and uh although i don't i i I still don't understand why before they're pickled they're called cucumbers and after they're pickled they're called pickles pickles (laughs) um but you know you don't necessarily have to be a gardener to preserve some of these foods and 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 pickles is 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 a great example that is the whole point of the master food preserver classes that are held on a county by county basis uh, no matter what county you live in if your county has a cooperative extension office that uh, supports a master gardener program they probably support a master food preserver program as well and if you like food if you like to eat if you want to make it yourself preserve it yourself it's nutritious and it's fun and it's a great way to uh, stock up on some really tasty uh, foods over the winter uh, is to uh, buy things in mass this time of year yeah. and uh, dehydrate them, freeze them, uh, can them, any number of things you can yeah. do. Uh, so find out more about your local master food preserver program through your uh, county cooperative extension office. You know, and and, and what, what's kind of cool is you know if if you if you like to cook and you play with spices and you like different flavors, you know you can start with your basic you know pickling instructions. And then the next, you know, you'll say, well, this need, you know, the next, when you start eating them, when they're done, you can say, oh, this needs a little bit of this. And you need, and then so you can get your own unique recipe and flavored pickles. And- or if you're trying to live a healthy diet and cut down on salts and sugars, yep. processed foods have so much of those. Yep. When you make it yourself, you can control those amounts yeah. and use substitutes. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Master Gardeners in Sacramento County next Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 2. 
We'll be answering your garden questions at the Secret Garden Nursery at 8450 West Stockton Boulevard in Elk Grove. Now you gave away their secret. Yeah, I know. Told them where it is. I think that's it. Uh, yeah, that's enough. There you go. <laughs> okay. That was a lot. Well, and, and next week uh, from 8 to noon, uh, Farmer Fred will be on the air. Yeah. Giving garden advice. Unless they tell me don't show up anymore, and I would yell at them and say, why didn't you tell me that before I showed up on the door on Sunday morning? I could have slept in, but no, no. Well, I, you, you, chances you, are I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> you sound so positive. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you just take it week to week. Yeah. You know what happens happens. Well, when, when you get to our age, it's kind of how what it's, it's like. You know, people say, you know, how are you doing today? Well, I woke up. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I woke up. I didn't see my name in the obituary section. Yeah. So off we go. Yeah. All right. We'll take a short break. More get growing on the way on Talk 650 KSTE. Get growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Steve Zion from Living Resources Company. Uh, let's delve into the email you've been sending to Fred at FarmerFred.com. Uh, let's see, Jeanette and Fair Oaks asks, My husband wanted to do a planting area in our yard with a terrace effect. He purchased five yards of a topsoil compost mix. In some areas, the depth has been increased by 10 inches. I suggested that he mix the new soil with our existing soil. Well, that didn't happen. Now when, <laughs> now when we water, the moisture wicks away and doesn't penetrate for deep watering. What can we do to fix this? Boy, this is a, a very good point. Yell at your husband. <laughs> Yell at your husband. <laughs> if you're building a raised bed, and that might be on your fall project list, is to build uh, garden beds. And that's always a good idea if uh, your existing soil is so poor, especially if it has poor drainage. Well, build some raised beds. Yep. But you need to mix any sort of new soil with the existing soil for the very thing Jeanette is talking about, better water penetration through the soil mix. You need a transition zone. Yeah, yeah. And you, So you don't have to till really far, but you need to till in a little bit and, and mix some of that material. So that, because anytime you have a layer of different textures in soil, whether it be a clay to a sand or a sand to a clay or, or, or differences in organic matter, uh, water movement is restricted. And so if you can ease that barrier by, you know, mixing the soil a little bit with the, the native soil with the new soil, uh, you will uh, reduce that impact. I, I know she's, you have issues with this person, but she did conduct a very interesting experiment, Linda Chalker-Scott, talking about how water flows through a container of soil. And what she was addressing was the myth of adding pot shards or rocks to the bottom of a pot. Oh, yeah. And the problem is when you put rocks or some sort of foreign element at the bottom of a container, then pile soil on top of that. When you water that soil, that the rocks do not increase the speed of the water. It, conversely, it, it, it actually slows it down. Yeah, and it, it makes the water hold up in your soil um, because you're, you're creating... It's like when, when, when clay moves into a sand, the, the way wa most water moves through soil is through what's called capillary action. It's water actually sucks itself through. So you've got to dry your soil down below, and, and the little bit of moisture that's down below will suck the water down. 
when you have, go into a coarser textured soil such as rocks, there is very little capillary activity there, and so the water does not move down into those rocks until that soil is basically totally saturated. And uh, so, yeah, putting rocks and, and shards on the, on the bottom of your container is not a good idea. Now, getting back to Jeanette's issue of, okay, we built the, this huge terraced garden, and, but water isn't flowing down to the next layer because we didn't mix the two layers. Uh, what can you do to fix this other than, you know, emptying out everything and starting and start, over? Yeah. What about augering holes through both layers to improve drainage? I mean, that would help. Um, there's what's called vertical mulching, and it's typically done when you have soil that does not drain. And what you basically do is you, you drill a hole all the way down uh, through the various layers and you fill it with uh, sand and organic matter. And that core of filled, you know, artificially filled soil has to always reach the soil surface. And then the, when you irrigate from the soil surface, the water will trickle down through that tube, basically, that you've created and get to the water down below. Is there a problem, though, of it siphoning water off from the rest of the soil where the plants are, thus avoiding the plant roots? And mm-hmm. by that I mean, okay, you, so let's say you got a sprinkler on this big bed mm-hmm. of plants. Because that, that vertical mulch tube, if you will, mm-hmm. is of a lesser density than the surrounding soil, I would think water would tend to flow naturally to that tube, thus bypassing plant roots that are in the soil. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it, it'll. It, what, I mean, the the goal is to get that water down below into the the, the layers that that you're ha- a hard time getting the water in. Yeah. Um. It's. I don't think it's going to suck water out of 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 any kinds of areas. Again, water is going to want to move into the the. Uh, area where there's more capillary action and uh and why are you mixing sand in with it wouldn't just straight mulch work um the mulch will then compact will compact down too much you want the the sand will help keep it open yeah a lot of people don't realize by uh, what sand is as far as a soil component it's actually the largest particle soil component yeah and so that means there's more air available yeah i mean really the only the only difference between sand silt and clay is size Mm mm-hmm yeah with clay being, with clay the, being the smallest, yeah. uh, silt being the middle, and then there's all sorts of grades of sand. Right. Depending upon how big or small the sand is. Okay, let's see if we can tackle this question in three minutes or not. Uh, Connie wants to know, we are going to be planting our flower beds this fall. How do I test my soil to see what it needs? When I find out what it needs, how do I go about amending the soil? I thought I heard you talk about an app that would tell me what we need. Well, that app actually just tells you the soil type. Yeah, and that's the 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 app is called Soil Web, and that only works on non-urban soils. And all that the information it gives you basically is the geologic history of what you're standing yeah, what, on. What kind of soil? It what is. kind of soil? It'll talk about permeability and the quality yeah. for agricultural purposes. But as but unfortunately, it, if you live in the middle of a suburb, the answer that comes back will say urban soil. Yeah, and and they don't tell you how to fertilize because because yeah. that changes over time and it doesn't have to be a very long period of time so what does connie from orangevale need uh, a soil test i mean if you just want to know nitrogen phosphorus potash and ph there are little soil test kits that you can get at your your, your local nursery 
Um, but if you want to know all of those trace minerals that we talked about, um, you need to use a, a soil testing service. And then depending upon what kind of, you know, the, the, the soil testing service will determine how much advice they will give you in reference to uh, what kind of amendments and fertilizers uh, that you want to use. I recommend a company called Living Resources Company, and they provide great organic recommendations, and they give you... You can use the word you. Well, I, I was going to get there. Okay, I was right, going to get right, there. Right. And, and they, you know, they give you information on uh, the soil food web, uh, how to irrigate, well, and organic what kind, recommendations. And, and then they're all organic recommendations. Yeah. And I've read every single report that this company puts out. Yeah, I bet you have. And written they're absolutely excellent. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I read, yeah. I read, and and I read them because I wrote them. On my soil, when I lived in Harold, the uh, Living Resources Soil Report came back and said, "Don't try to grow popcorn. Pan for gold. You'll have better luck." Yeah, his soil was like the the worst or, or second worst soil I had ever tested. He, he won a little award. He, he, <laughs> he, got, he got to be a disc jockey at this radio station. But uh, the fact of the matter gardening. is, with uh, lots of work on the soil, adding lots of mulch and proper irrigation, uh, it was a little Garden of Eden Yeah. by the time we left there 27 years later. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you did a, a, another soil test after yeah, that. Oh, yeah, and it was much better. And, and it was, there yeah. was a, a dramatic difference. Yeah, well, that's just the benefits of... Amending the soil. Yeah. All right. Organic matter. It's all about the soil. Yeah. All right. Steve Zion, enjoy Packer season. Go Pack Go. All right. We'll see you in February. Future Super Bowl champions. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your support. We'll do it all again next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, right here on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com. Thank you for your 26 years of support for this radio show.